Hi, welcome to the Penis Project podcast. This is the place to come to find out everything you've always wanted to know about men's health but were too embarrassed to ask. Join physiotherapist Dr. Joe Milios and sexologist nurse practitioner Melissa Hadley-Barrett as they talk to real men and the experts about men's private parts. Have a burning question you really want to know the answer to? Please subscribe to our website at thepenisproject.org and just ask us. The greater the length, the greater the strength, the more time I've got for you. There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting. Too much noise altogether. In silence is strength and peace and space. Imagine silence forever. The Penis Project podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by Prost, Exercise for Prostate Cancer, and the RS Health Penile Rehabilitation Program. Prost is a not-for-profit charity set up by myself in 2012 that aims to help men exercise during their experience with prostate cancer. If you want to know anything more about Prost, including our online service and USB product now available, please just go to prost.com.au. The Penile Rehabilitation Program was created by Melissa at Restorative Sexual Health. This is an online program to assist turning software into hardware without leaving your home. This program was designed for people who live in areas where access to health professionals in this area is not available, or for those who are just too busy to attend consults, or even for those who just feel more comfortable learning at home with online learning and consultations online. For more information about this program, please go to www.rshealth.com.au. Prost means cheers to your health, so Prost to you. November 11, 11 a.m., 60 seconds, kids watch on the wall. In the pub, in the tab, in the cars, we remember and wonder what... Welcome to the Penis Project podcast. Today we have a very special guest in Mr. Owen Cato from the Regional Men's Health Initiative, which is based in northern Western Australia. Owen is the Regional Men's Health Senior Community or Executive Officer in Education and Owen and I have worked together for many years now, um, sharing the space of men's health in anything possible that we can link up with. So it's been wonderful to work with Owen for a number of years, spreading the good messages for men's health. Owen, welcome along. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Good morning to yourself and Melissa, and great to have a chat. Yeah, hey, Owen, nice to meet you. I don't think I've met you before. Oh, look, we might have had a brief meeting, Melissa, yeah, at a, at a function at York. Oh, good. Yeah, oh, at it, um, yeah, that... when I did that talk at Tony Seabrook Arranged. Yep. Great. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about your organisation. Well, look, the organisation's been around for a fair while. It's uh, started in 2002 and it was originally called Wheatbelt Men's Health. So we operated in the Wheatbelt, which was from our founder, a bloke called Julian Creek, who was pretty passionate about men's health and wellbeing and in particular suicide and the wheat belt for us was always from Northampton to Esperance and, and everywhere in between. So it was a whole Southwest Land Division. And then mm-hmm. in 2010, we expanded to cover the whole state and are called the Regional Men's Health Initiative. We're still governed by Wheat Belt Men's Health, but we we're got some, commer- uh, some government funding out of the Royalties for Region program under a business case model. And, and from there... Yeah, we can, so now we cover from Kununurra to the Pilbara to Esperance and everywhere in between, any, anywhere that's regional, rural and remote in Western Australia. And, and our core really is, is about um, 
empowering men in communities to respect to take responsibility for their well-being and health. And um, so we jump in our car or fly and go to where we're invited. That's great. And is this your full-time job, Bowen? It is now. It wasn't. When I started with Julian, we were both part-time and we had one vehicle between the two of us and we'd we'd uh, do half volunteer work and half half paid work. And um, yeah, it was that was how, how it started. And Julian had been doing that on his own for a number of years. So so what do you actually do? Well, yeah, it's hard to explain sometimes. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we the education and empowerment's interesting, but but we're an education-based model. So we think kind of we provide the, the missing link sometimes in terms of taking education to to where it needs to go because because it's in footy clubs, it's rotaries, it's it's community groups, it's ag shows, it's wherever people want to add a dose of or a tinge of men's health and well-being. So we uh, we go along and we our education encapsulates three things really, and that's education sessions, which are really typically about an hour long where we talk anything about men's physical health, mental health, social, spiritual well-being, which is what kind of makes us tick as blokes, and right through to to men's sexual well-being, which where we're caught up with you, Joe, and, and progression, succession planning and risk-taking for um, youth communication. And then we have our Fast Track Pit Stop program, which we put a couple of thousand blokes over the pits every year, which is linked to servicing of a vehicle. So that's um, measuring our chassis or our, our stomach, our blood pressure, which is our oil pressure, um, and then our shockies, which is our, our mental health capacity. And um, we sit down and chew the fat with blokes. So that's really interactive. And then the third bit, I reckon, is still really important, and that's providing that adv- advocacy general role and or support so linking people in to their local communities which seems ironic sometimes but we can be in some towns and and the people and the organizations in the towns don't know who's who one another yeah Yeah. so that's interesting surprisingly common actually um when you said about the pit stop program a patient said something to me the other day which made me laugh he said that he feels like an fj holden he has a leaking exhaust a blown headlight and a horn that doesn't work. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, I yeah, was like, I'm definitely pinching that. It's excellent. Look, and even the other day I, I was listening on the election coverage and there was a lady, a doctor, talking about women and service visits and she was linking it to a vehicle. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting because that's what we've been talking about with blokes for a long time. Mm. Yeah, it's good. Sometimes we, they steal our campaigns, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that the government are going to steal nuts to guts, Joe. I think no, so. no I'm definitely so sure not. About that. There's some conversations <laughs> going on. Well, there's certainly some nuts in there, but I don't know about that. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. so what? Why? What made you get this started? Like you and Julian, how did it happen? Well, how did it come about? Well, Julian's the pioneer and the um, the original man on that started it with a couple of committee members, and it came re- around really on the back of, of mental health and, and the fact that they knew some people and Julian had lost a person close to him through suicide. And, and that just got them thinking. And then they looked into the stats because they were attached to a health model to start with and blokes are behind on all the stats, you know, whether it's bowel cancer and suicide and a lot of mental health issues. So they, and, and in the wheat belt in particular, so that that's was the original you know, emphasis for the program to start. But when we've looked 
elsewhere and we do our business cases, you know, as soon as we, the stats for rural are worse than metro, obviously, but when we go to regional and then when we go to remote, the numbers just stagger off really alarmingly. So, you know, and, and the bowel cancers, and I always pick on suicide and bowel cancer because they're the two obvious ones that the numbers go really AWOL, but we know the same with cardiovascular. So the further we go to remote, and there's a lot of reasons for that, but that's why we're in that space, I guess. Yeah, it's great. I think a lot of the issue is just access. I've worked in a lot of rural and remote areas over my career, and it's just access, you know. It's so hard for those people to get access, and they usually have jobs that are quite hands-on, and getting out of those areas to go and get checked means the expense of getting there and the loss of income while they do it. It's really hard. It is. It's that, it is that access, and it's the tyranny of distance as well um, because, you know, we can do six or 800 k's a day and don't think much about it. That's going to a gig and coming back to a gig. But but when I'm up north and I've got to actually get in from a station and get into town and, and line up my doctor's visit, my specialist appointment, and then I get told to come back in six weeks or four weeks' time or two weeks' time and I physically just can't do that as a working on a station, that makes it really problematic. And we just know with blokes that we get quite often one chance or one hit and if we don't get it that time, well, we've lost them. And so that kind of factor is is a real factor in 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 the bush. Do you think the tyranny of distance is less now that we have, you know, things like telehealth? Is that since COVID, like telehealth is much more accessible for everybody? Well, it is, but it's still got a long way to go. Unless it's still the technology is just crap, putting it bluntly. Um, unless I'm in a in a theatre room and got the real top level of of telehealth but we people just tell us all the time you know they they it drops out they, they can't get that connection they you know that's um, the isolation again mm, yeah. yeah it only reinforces it more doesn't it now oh and who else is in your team apart from yourself well we've got five community educators joe on the road well in saying that we just got oh, you're growing yeah, we're growing. We, we should have five, but we've just got four because a young fella just left. But no, we've got Terry's my senior. Terry Melrose is our senior community educator along with myself. And we've got a, a guy called Glenn Dunkinen and then a younger bloke called Tom Hayes. And they've all got great skill sets from agribusiness to school teaching to social work um, qualifications. So it's a, it's a mix of guys. And, and we've got some aid an age demographic which is good because i'm 60 and glenn's 50 and terry's 40 and tom's 30 so oh. that, that wasn't planned but it enables us to um talk to a you know across the demographics of blokes as well which is good and how many talks have you been doing like at, at the moment Look, we've been uh, with um coven the onset of COVID in 20 before that we we're uh, over 300 gigs a year um, I knew it was heaps, yeah. Yeah, look, it's... Such an and, amazing thing. Yeah, and I put all the... That's talks and as well as the ag mm. shows, the pit stops, but it's still a big effort. And then at the beginning of 21, we... Ha- sorry, 20 of COVID, we had like 100 and ended up over 100 cancellations. And then with stage two of this year, we've ended up with over 40 cancellations or quite close on 40 cancellations up to... I'm speaking to you ladies today. And um, we're just seeing the back half of the year's come alive for, for our bookings but but it is a shame that, that social connection through COVID and what have you we're just just getting the feed at the minute of some shows agricultural shows that is that didn't happen in 2020 
now aren't happening again in 2022. So that's a real concern. So they're still actually, you know, cancelling them. Yep. Yeah. Just as of last week, Joe, just to not wanting to, you know, I can't blame them. Not no, wanting to no. sign. Not yeah. not wanting to sign off on the COVID complexities, and they're all volunteers. But these events in these towns are really kind of a, a catalyst for a whole lot of, you know, other things happening. Sure. So it's mm. disappointing. So that's the downside of COVID. Yeah, I think I've found because I do country clinics that um, country people are more nervous about coming in and having a a face-to-face consult. With a city person. Yeah, (laughs) because, you know, like, for instance, I do clinics north and some south and, you know, people are like, oh, I'd rather not see you because you're coming from Perth for the weekend and that makes me really kind of infectious (laughs) and scary. Mm. (laughs) So. It's, you know, because I think they're so protected because they don't have so many people and then going and seeing someone that's visiting their town from the city is a little bit scarier some of the time, I think. Look, it is. And um, and we get we even get that when we go, go around places. But I guess we just, under the COVID things, I'm sick and tired of the tests. <laughs> but, but we just do them before we go on road and before we're out for two nights or what have you. And um, three of our team members or... Three of us have been through COVID and uh, had COVID and that stopped us for a week. But you can just, yeah, um, pass that on to people and say that we're COVID compliant as much as possible. But it still has got that it's been an inhibitor. Absolutely. Yeah. So when you, you know, go out back and you run a talk, how how does it actually unfold? Do you, do you rock up to a, um, footy club or a bowling club how, how does it actually work on the day just in case anyone listening is interested in getting you guys to come out their way yeah look joe we're like i say we're funded for regional rural and remote we still do some gigs in perth and men's sheds and what have you but it's really about ringing up and booking in and it's the power like with our officer it fits in with our timetable but the, the empowerment bit is that community organizing it so when I go to the bowls club and they've organised it in in Esperance, for example, I go there and there's 125 people there. If we'd organised the event from Northam, there'd be two people there or five people there because they're not going to go out on the on the space of someone else organising. So the, it really is important that ownership and it's driven by the local people. So footy clubs, rotaries, any of those groups that we go to, where it's guaranteed to get bums on seats because they want us there and it adds value to whatever they're doing so so the power is back on that community connection which our founder julian was really strong on and when we go to places now and i'm just thinking the kananara ag show for example which is in july it's the first ag show that kicks off the season we've been going there for 10 years and the most common comment we get is great to see you back Oh, yeah. You know, every year. So familiar faces, familiarity, and and whether it's in Esperance or Corrigan or or anywhere in between, we've got that consistency now that we've been funded for ten years since two thousand ten under this business model to get to get to where we're asked to, and we have very few. Um, we don't get to many gigs that we that we say we can't get to because because we. With five of us, we we mostly we mostly get to where we're asked. Is what I'm trying to say. And what are the most common themes that tend to generate when you're up there? What what are guys talking about? Oh, look, 
One of the main things that we we think, Melissa, that blokes want to talk about, and when we do our full wellbeing tips, we talk about physical health and mental health, but we talk about what what we classify as our social spiritual wellbeing. And every time I say that, it's I say to people, well, shit, it's not about religion. It's it's most of us get it out of that context, away from that context, and it's about what makes us tick as blokes. So it's it's who I am. It's being happy in our own skin. It's our sense of purpose, our sense of hope. It's what makes us blokes as blokes. And and we say that we're challenged in about three stages of our life. So at adolescence, midlife, and in retirement. And when we're talking about that with blokes in those three areas of the life, they all get it and they mm. want to and they want to talk about it more because we're all challenged. We're all have shitty stuff go on in our life and we're challenged and and once we give pe- people permission and explain that, um, that just opens a, like an open a tin of worms. And um, so blokes blokes want to talk about that, and they do want to talk about well, they do want to talk about physical health. They do want to talk about prostate issues and 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 issues around that. And the other big issues they want to talk around is their mental is their mental health and well being, but not from a definition, not from a clinical definition, just from what we talk about situational distress stuff and issues in their life that they're dealing with right at the minute, whether that's financial relationship, seasonal, whatever, but it's, it's giving us being there and whatever topic we choose to talk about, or they want us to talk about, and we'll give them a bit of guidance, but uh, is it's really giving them permission to, um, and we all need permission to sit down and chew the, chew the fat. And and just adding to that, we need we need this safe place. I'm convinced. I've never met a bloke yet that hasn't wanted to tell his story if he's been in a safe place. Now yeah, that can be yeah. that can be after a footy match, after bowls, during bowls, at a Rotary Club, and it can be at a gas station because we've got our marked up utes and <laughs> all that sort of stuff. And I've had I call it tailgate chats with blokes at a bottle shop, at a gas station, at a roadhouse. And I've even been flagged down um, way out at the back of the bushes. Truck driver saw us coming along, saw the red ute. Took him about bloody a kilometre to stop. I realised he was stopping over chat. So I turned around and we pulled up on the road in the middle of nowhere for two and a half hours and had a chat. So it's pretty powerful stuff. That's amazing. And so who funds you? Yeah, look, we're royalties for reasons so that program still exists um mm-hmm. and we were funded out of that 10 years ago we're on our fourth business case and um usually they go for four years and um our program gets reviewed every couple of years and it's being reviewed right now and that comes up good we still should be we still should be funded and i guess people um or well, the system our numbers aren't improving a hell of a lot in terms of health outcomes yet but that's I reckon that's a generational thing, which might take. Yeah, that's a ten-year. <laughs> yeah, well, and thirty years, Joe. 30 25, years. Okay. twenty-five. A lot of social scientists say twenty to twenty-five to thirty-five years to get that that generational change. So, but anecdotally, we can see a change in what we call primary care. So that we record some stats in our in our office here and on our database, and it's actually people. What I mean by that is people ringing in, concern for a mate so it's either a wife or a partner ringing in concern for their husband or son or or a bloke ringing in concern for his mate and we've seen an increase in that 
to our office. And when we our programs reviewed right now, they do some short surveys. And so we're seeing that change happening, which is exciting for us. So the, our signature statement of before it gets too much talk to a mate, we believe is getting a bit of traction and 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 prompting people to to look after themselves first and then to keep a lookout for the others. Yeah, I reckon just in the time I've been working in men's health, which is only seven years, like before that it was just everybody's health. Um, but I feel like more men will come in now. What do you think, Joe? And say to me like, oh, I've told all my mates at the golf club that I've had my PSA checked or that I've been feeling a bit crappy and they're all going to get checked too, you know. And I, yeah, I most like definitely didn't happen before. 17th year now. Mm. And there was it was a very private conversation often from within just, the family beforehand mm. and I have also had many guys say, I've spoken to this guy he said to come and see you and then there's about three or four other guys within their circle who once they start talking about it say I've been through that too and maybe 10 years ago I didn't tell you but you know it's still a conversation have with me anytime uh yeah it's it's really quite exciting to see that cultural shift yeah and it is happening too the the data tells us that guys are going to the GP more than they did in the past, but we're still only going for the one reason. <laughs> Whereas ladies you know, typically might go for two or three reasons. And and blokes still went asked in the doctor, and I just spoke to one the other day. He went for it. We sent him off for a, a PSA to find a bit more about his his prostate and what have you. And he's got other stuff going on. And I said, did you ask about that? And he said, no. One box at a time. <laughs> I, I just did the... <laughs> I just did the PSA, which is use what you said. And I said, well, that's good. That's a good start. I'm giving a talk soon to a um, like a study day for GPs. And out of interest, I sent a survey to my mailing list, which is like, I don't know, 3,000 plus people. And um, I've been getting in and the survey was, have you ever asked your GP about your sexual health? or even, um, And has your GP ever asked you? And, oh, my God, we've had hundreds of replies and only one so far has says that their GP asked them and raised the issue with them. And I just think I understand from a GP perspective, they have such short on time that they often only have time to deal with one problem. But, um, yeah, it's it's like we really need to kind of empower our people to ask the questions about these difficult subjects because... The GPs are so time poor, they're just trying to get through it and deal with whatever problem you've presented with, which is a shame. It's, you know, the way our Medicare system works, I understand why GPs are like that. But just having them ask the question, and because the other question I asked in the survey was, would you have liked your GP to raise the question? Resounding yes, you know. (laughs) There was even a case of one guy wrote a comment that said he went in because he had erectile dysfunction and when he got there, he was too embarrassed to ask. So he let them take their blood pressure and said, oh, I'm just here to get my blood pressure taken, paid his 80 bucks and left and went, oh, Jesus. You know? yeah. So no. it's really interesting. Look, it is, Melissa. And I, and I reckon part of that is that part of that is that bloke-friendly culture around going to the doctor. So language and, and the doctor being in asking those questions because blokes will say, I've only... I'm all right, or I've only got one thing, and having some information in surgeries. Whenever I go to surgeries, I'm always checking out their pamphlet pile and and, and trying to put in some bloke stuff because there's not enough bloke. Yeah, there's not. Is there stuff in there when you're sitting around? 
So can you tell us that about the service document? So if a guy comes along and accesses the pit stop program, you, you actually do a little bit of a screening of about six different areas, like the chassis and the shock, shock absorbs and things like that. So then you get like they get like a paper document, don't they? They can take back to their doctor. Yeah, yeah, they get a, a nice little booklet, Joe, which is which is at the bottom of each section. It's we've either ticked it or, but in each section's got see your GP, so and make a visit. So we'll, in cases we all you've got to get permission, but we'll always get permission so we can follow up. So we'll say, can we come and see you or ring you in a fortnight to make sure you've acted on what we've been talking about today. And that might be whether a person's obese or whether their mental health is challenged or or their blood pressure's AWOL. So um, blokes will love, and that's the other thing in this, what we're in this, they love a follow-up phone call, contrary to what might be said elsewhere. But they, when we ring someone up to say, you did a pit stop at Down and this was a bit out of whack, have you been to the doctor? And we'll have a really good conversation. And most of the times the blokes will have gone and they will have taken this little booklet. So that's, that's great it. to hear because I will often find I get referrals dating back one year, even for the guys in the city that can access me in a week if they want to. And um, I'm always puzzled and I say, oh, you were sent this referral. This was set up for you, you know, 14 months ago. What took you so long? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, there's a bit of that. When I, I'm probably being a bit polite saying that when we most. follow up most some do and some will come back like we'll do our annual pit stops whether it be at down or a little show whether it's in Prendra or Kananara and blokes will come up and sit down and saying I want to do my blood pressure again but I haven't done anything about x <laughs> you know so yeah so it is interesting we've got a long way to, we've still got a long way to go that just fascinates me like females are already there and males are like they talk to you about it, but they'll sit on it like they have to plant a seed and water it for a whole season. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a bit like that back pain, Joe. We use that as an analogy with, with a lot of blokes. You know, blokes will put up with back pain for three weeks, three months, three years or 30 years, and that might not kill them. But if they put up with other things that are out of sync, it will kill them, whether it's around our our sexual well-being or our, our prostate health or whatever, and, and mental health, but particularly blood pressure. And cardiovascular is still our biggest killer of all people. Yeah. And and there's a disparity between blokes and women with that, and there's a disparity like the bowel cancer. I think the numbers on bowel cancer are like 2,400 blokes die a year, 1,600 ladies. There's not a genetic reason for that, but there is a gender reason, and and basically these blokes don't give a shit. You know, <laughs> excuse the fun, but they'll bloody they'll sit on it. And we have so many blokes just say they chuck chuck the, you know, when we're 50, as blokes is the first time we get a letter or acknowledgement that we that we existed that we and, and check our poo and and but blokes will just chuck that out and, and we've been pushing and with AMH every year um, that we should when blokes turn 40, they should get a letter saying they're a bloke and they've got this thing called a prostate. And, um, <laughs> And and here's a few strategies to to follow up on it. Yeah. Um, so so that prevention and that awareness and that's what's really f- dropped away and and that's probably the, the saddest thing that I see in the in industry that we work on. And then when the government you get to election, so so they've primary health spending on on promotion has gone from four and a half percent to say two percent. Mm. Uh, so we don't have health promotion offices. 
out there doing stuff at weekends. We'll turn up at events. And I was in the Gascoigne the other day and and when I'm up north or in Carrara or down, and, and we are the only people at a gig on a Friday night or a Wednesday night or a Saturday afternoon. And that's really sad. So the local service providers in a lot of towns, they're under the pump and under-resourced, but they're not out there connecting with their local people. So we play that that referral role quite succinctly. We have to work out who's who in the zoo pretty quickly so we can um, refer people. I think also, like, in towns, having been a health professional in very small communities, I think people are often more likely to go and talk to someone that's come in from the outside, probably like you guys, because you might play footy with the local GP or nurse or midwife or whatever it is that you know and so I think there's a bit more reluctance sometimes to open up for some people because they're involved in your community so when you guys get there and set up your shingle and you're from outside it might be easier to to talk to you guys because you're from out of there what do you think about that yeah no that's a fair comment Melissa and that does happen and we get that feedback and especially around um, mental health and when there's been a disaster in an area like a flood or a fire or or a drought people and blokes in particular but ladies will want to come and talk to us no matter where we're at and mm. um and but they they are a bit reticent to not not use a local counselor if there is one available or there's only one for across six shires they'll say no I want to go out of town yeah yeah I hear that quite often I just noticed something on your website, which I didn't know about, but you guys do um, have, like, people can apply to you guys for funding to run an event. Is that right? Yeah, look, we have a community grant funding, Melissa, which is a, it's not much money, but it's $300. And, and what it enables that community to do or that group to do is help them put on food or do some flyers or, or do some promotion around that, promoting that event. But usually it's food and we just know with blokes, and events, <laughs> you don't have it at 10 o'clock in the morning or you don't have it at 3 o'clock in the afternoon without a good morning or afternoon tea or if you're going to have it at lunchtime or sundown a time, you've got to put on put on a food or, or food to get blokes out in particular. And Those onions and sausages, <laughs> they smell amazing. Works for Bunnings, it's got to work for everyone else. That's where blokes go. <laughs> it works for Bunnings, that's right. So it's pretty important. It is. Now, on. I helped you out a few years ago with developing the, the uh, video for sexual health and you've got quite a few educational resources that you give out to free at, when you go along to these, um, you know, fairs and country roadshows and things like that. Well, can you tell us a little bit about what you have available for people to be able to access? Yeah. Look, Joe, yeah, we've, we've got some really good videos of which you're part of, which was is fantastic. And uh, so we've got... We've got four videos around mental health, um, the stages of man, um, risk-taking, and then our latest one, which is men's sexual well-being. So they used to be on video. They're still on video, I guess, to get the technology right, but now they're on a USB. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that technology might go out the window soon. But oh, And they're, yeah. all, they're also on our website, but they're really popular to hand out. We, um, at the specific education event that the night's about, we always, everyone always gets out one of our magnets, talk to a mate with Men's Line Australia on it because, you know, we know that forty to 50,000 blokes ring that number a year from around Australia just for through majority through loneliness. 
And then we've got our own, because we're a charitable organisation and people donate some money to us, we've, we self-published our book called Working With Warriors. We're up to our second edition of that. And we've, uh, what are we up to? 12,000 12, copies of that book. So anyone that comes to our education session gets, gets a copy of that. And that's our monthly Working With Warriors wellbeing article that goes out around Australia. That's compiled and put in this book. And we've got an old cartoonist, um, a bloke by the name of Mick Horner, who's a ex-Navy man, and he's done some really good cartoons next to each particular or 20 different subjects. So it's, that provides, we can have a laugh. It's got pictures. That's good for us, folks. Yeah, that book sits in my waiting room in one of my clinics, and uh, it's always the one that's being thumbed through when I'm saying, come on, your turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, it's really important. I reckon one of the biggest things from being there Joe and Melissa and being at an event and you know because you guys travel around and you're at operate at Coalface is is actually being able to provide that instant referral pathway and yeah. that's that's men's sexual health and well-being is is really important mental health is really problematic someone with mental health is is suffers but trying to transverse through and triage that system yourself is bloody difficult. So we provide a really important link there, whether we're in Carrath or Esperance or anywhere in between, we'll be able to say here's three or four places where you can go and self-triage, which is which is really important. But the most important thing is giving these people permission, is giving ourselves permission to say that's all right to feel like shit and we've, we've got, to go and, got to go and talk to someone about it and do something about it. So if they go to your website, is there like a like referral? Like could someone say if they lived in Kununurra, go to your website and have a look for someone you guys recommend as a referral? No, pathway? look, in brief, they can't listen. They can, they can look on our website and see at the back there's a whole raft of generic referral pathways um, with links. But I guess when we're at a show in, um, in Kununurra, for example, and or in Esperance, we've got our own list for want of a better word, because there's a heap of, heap of lists of help, whether I'm in the wheat belt, Goldfields, mm-hmm. Esperance or whatever, but we've got a list of, so we've got what we call three or four friendly um, mental health supports and right. and then state-based supports like you guys are on for us with men's anything about men's sexual wellbeing, they get referred to you guys straight away. <laughs> so there's a plug, but, <laughs> yeah, we but they them. do. We hand them out. But, yeah, it's, it's just trying to, we try and find male friendly, friendly, user friendly contacts for people to to use. And and look, that doesn't work all the time. We'll get people come back and say that was bloody, that was shit out of that. But we didn't connect because that, they don't connect with a lot of blokes. And um, so that that's an individual thing as well. Oh, I just we're just looking at your website. You have got this other contacts, which is great. So that's got yeah. people on there. So that's good on your final page. That's great. Yeah, and we're always adding to that. Melissa, trying to get, you know, trying to make it current. I yeah, guess. no, that's great. Yeah. Um, sorry, one other question. Do you have Instagram or Facebook that men could follow? Uh, look, we've got the world is changing for us. We're on Twitter and we use Twitter for the simple reason that um, a lot of younger people in the rural areas and regional but rural follow Twitter, uh, follow events on Twitter. Yep. So when we're at events or we can always do a post and say, come on down and do a pit stop and we're at the Northampton show today or the Jatton Valley show or whatever. Um, and we're just looking at, we're just 
looking, we have an annual review of our social media. So we're just looking at um, Facebook right now. Yeah. Or, fa- or face pages, I call it. Face but, but, page, book face, I call it. Yeah, I hate yeah. Facebook, but yeah. it just, We're just it looking where at, people are. Yeah, as a medium not to get into discussions, but just to post, mm, cross-promote yeah. this. So, the, I guess the point about as well, there's a lot of organisations that now just have, don't have websites, but have just the Facebook presence. Mm. So that, we're just looking at that to see if we can cross help cross-promote events. Oh, and you have a podcast of your own as well that, um, guys, anyone can listen to, actually. Can yeah, you look, tell us do. a little about that? No, we've just started. It's We're just putting all our education sessions into a podcast, blokes talking to blokes, so we're up to about number 18, communication, where we don't have a big following, but it's just another form of, of COVID brought it on. We started in 2020. Yeah, too. And look, we've got a cohort of following, which uh, we just released the other one the other day, Podcast 17 and Communication, and we immediately get feedback. It's exactly the same as being on radio. So we have monthly talks on radio with commercial and, and ABC. Really? And I, That's great. Yeah, and I did a talk on ABC last month, and uh, I love ringing them back and telling them. But after my talk, and I talked about blokes looking after himself in... Um, in busy times, that one, and we had like three emails, and I had two phone calls, and then a Twitter feed on, on about the reminder, and so it does work. And it con, I just love bringing ABC back and saying, "Hey, there's people listening," <laughs> because yeah. you know we've just had feedback um, and phone calls, and so it is a bit of anything and everything to try and get get the message out as well, I guess, and, yeah, just and get that reach. Yeah, get that reach. I think it's great what you're doing. It's amazing. What what's what's the most remote place you've been to? Oh, look, I've been to oh, oh, look, we've been to Bidjid, Bidjidanga and Bidjidanga. up the up the up the coast, um, north of Broome, but we've been out to Marble Bar, the hottest place in Western Australia. Um and and some stations in that vicinity um around Mount Newman. Um, look, Kalgoorlie, yes, some really incredible, incredible places in this country. And um, and I think there's about 180 odd towns in the shires, and we've we've just about been to every town in regional West Australia. Every shire, sorry, we wow, have been awesome. to every shire. So that's that's unreal. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. amazing. And have you got any plans for further expansion? Oh, look, look, we we've always thought about what we do in the country we can do in Perth because blokes we're all blokes first um so issues are across across the divide they're a bit different in context sometimes but um our funding is is based on rural regional and remote WA there is a lot of individual different groups in eastern eastern Australia um I reckon what we've got is generic and can go across all blokes but it's just fitting into a space that we've kind of carved out and and keep going back to in WA. So, and we see the results that we think we're getting. And um, look, I, I'd, I'd love to be able to take it across Australia. We, we do some fee-for-service um, work for mining companies and mm. we've talked all around Australia from Brisbane to, to Melbourne to Sydney um, in places like the Australian Tax Office and, and West Track around Australia and, and various other 
companies Horsham in Horsham in Victoria um, and a little place we went and did a, a pit stop at a Carry field day which is <laughs> south of Broken Hill in New South Wales because they were on the back of three droughts so we just jumped in our vehicle and drove 3,000 k's wow. and did a That's pit stop over, <laughs> yeah, over the weekend but it was just fantastic response from those guys and we still follow up with a couple I've of blokes from there. i Broken Hill, it was fascinating. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> look I've, I found our regional, our 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 regional areas are fascinating and we do a fair bit of work out of in the Kimberley because we work with a mob in 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 Broome which is men's outreach service an Aboriginal corporation and Peter and his crew so we're always up there two or three times a year and doing various talks and and we have got a, a whole series of, of pit stops just pending for some Aboriginal communities because um, they've been in shutdown for a fair while so they're just keep doing the basics of getting people vaccinated and um, what have you in the short term, but we're we're looking forward to getting up there and and going bush as well. Wonderful. Well, Owen, um, I think that pretty much brings our chat today to a close. I wanted to say a huge thank you for all the work that you do. Uh, it's great to be able to interview today, just to share a little bit more. So this will go out wildly, wildly, and wildly, <laughs> widely. <laughs> out into the wilderness. Wildly yeah. wild. So a lot of um, people listen to this globally now. So we have lots of listeners in the US and the UK and New Zealand. So yeah. it might inspire others to think about what's going on in their own rural regions. Yeah. And if, um, Owen, anyone that is listening from overseas or over east and was interested in like how you set it up and was thinking about doing something similar, would they be able to contact you guys just for a little bit of advice? Absolutely. Melissa and I were always talking to people on on under that ad advocacy hat on how they can engage with blokes and a bit about our model and and um, I just reckon if we all if we all join together, I'm a, I'm a believer of of lots of little things, lots of little tentacles will will create a bottoms up mm. approach because we know the top down or top down stuff. Excuse me, doesn't work. But if we have bottoms up approach which is people going to yeah going to will make a difference with uh with uh, bowel cancer as well but if we have a bottoms up approach we'll have buy-in by community we know we're using the right language we'll have empathy and contrary to to popular belief i reckon blokes do like to be followed up and we know we've got that one chance and um if out of today's listening or out of every event that we go to if someone does one thing that improves their well-being will we're in front and um, and that's what old-fashioned promotional awareness and education is about. Yeah. Well, I think it's fantastic what you're doing and it makes me think of a guy we interviewed a few weeks ago from the Man Walk um, and don't know if you've listened to that episode, but that would be an amazing link between what yeah. you guys are doing and the Man Walk. If you don't already know about it, you probably yeah. already do. No, we do. Melissa, we our, our, one of our community educators, Lives down in Busselton and uh, Glen Duncan, and so we do a lot yeah. with the man. Yeah, we do a lot with the man walk, and and look, we've seen a growth in some of those those groups. So there is a growth growth in in people doing. We've got this great um, bloke Mel Willis has been doing crossroads breakfast for years, just out in the middle of nowhere at the crossroads, and he'll light a fire, do a brekkie, and we'll have five, ten, twenty, thirty, forty people turn up in good times and in bad. And there's gravel pit breakfast, there's harvest updates that have been going for 10 years, and then there's individual groups. 
like the six Bs and the Blue Tree and, and a whole lot of other groups which are kind of starting up at the community level. And I reckon that's the power of, 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 of education and, and the enduring effect of it is, is the message is, is getting hold and we can make a difference. Yeah, well, it's, I think it's great. Well, thank you so much for coming today. And um, we'll look forward to putting this on air and what sort of response we get. Yeah, no, thanks, ladies, and all the best. And I'm going to tell you about a boy who lives inside me. He's been there all of my life. Hi, this is Dr. Joe. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We're getting so many emails, so many questions and so much feedback. And Melissa and I are absolutely thrilled about this. What we'd really love you to do, though, is to share our podcast with anyone you think might benefit, including any man in your life. Simply download using your favourite podcast app or subscribe to the penisproject.org. You'll get a weekly email and new releases. And this helps our podcast get more people And if you write a review and subscribe as well, well, we'll get known more widely across the globe. Meanwhile, let's keep the conversation going. Women, just a mystery to me. I've got a boy of my own now. It fills me with pride to see him growing so fast into a man.